Check, check, check. A little buffer. And Baylor football is good again. And in the race, the Big 12 championship, what are the odds that they're able to get there? This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday. Welcome to Locked On Baylor, and thank you for making it your first listen every single day. Drake Toll from Sports Illustrated's Inside the Bears. John Garcia, Jr., the Director of Recruiting at Sports Illustrated, covering all things college football from A to Z. And John, I, I see a little, a little message written on the board today. Looks like it says four <laughs> is enough. Uh, I, I know coincidentally four is the number of letters in the word love. Is this some kind of like passionate of hidden message you have back there? Look, it's it's the holiday season creeping up, end of the year. Everybody's reassessing, self-scouting, if you will. Right. So, yeah, love love should be enough. But certainly it's not for, for most uh, relationships. It's only the foundation there. But, of course, now this is a college football playoff nudge um, against the grain, if you will. I think um, – I mean, just look at this past weekend, right? Look at these upsets and how it felt in some of these games. You go to 12, and it doesn't feel that way anymore, though. Yeah you know, the executives could care less. Yeah, John, uh, for Baylor, these upsets do nothing for this program because they are squarely out of any college football playoff or national conversation, which I think Baylor fans are used to over the course of time now being that kind of underdog figure. And this team is has gone from a point of losing to West Virginia on the road, like lowest of lows for this squad after losing to BYU and Oklahoma State and now being controlling their own destiny to go to the Big 12 championship. It feels like Baylor is is good again. And I know you cover mostly the recruiting side, but you know these names, the Blake Shapins and the Richard Reeses and the, even the Gavin Holmes, who's like eight eight years into college football now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This this click for Baylor has been pretty dramatic. I don't know if we expected it. Is is this something that you just feel as though Dave Aranda is is kind of the catalyst in taking a team of young guys and turning them around fast? Yeah, I think it's a combination of, yeah, trying to defend this title from last year with a new group, right? And I think there's yeah. there's really no other way to to place the, the roster that that he's working with right now. But it's also, I think, kind of a microcosm of the Big 12. It's really good at the top. I mean, just look mm -hmm. at the last few games Baylor's got lined up. I mean, it's all of the true contenders for the Big 12 crown. So it's it's all still TBD. Uh, in terms of uh, who's going to who's going to wind up uh, playing one another. So I, I think that's part of it as well. So you can't take any game beyond what it actually is, just one game. Right. So, yeah, West Virginia, worst team in the conference, whatever it is. Yeah. You thought, OK, maybe there's a quarterback change. What's going to happen going forward at Baylor to right the ship? And it turns out the the answer was just tweaking things as opposed to overhauling. And I think that's the mark of, of a very good coach uh, and one who understands what he has on his own roster. And since that point, Baylor's really looked and, and most importantly for us felt like a very different team. I think even that Oklahoma game last week, it, it never really felt like Baylor was off balance. It, it felt like yeah. Baylor controlled just about every element of it. They ran the football, they possessed the football, they turned over Dylan Gabriel, which is really the, the singular formula to slow him down or slow OU down uh, from, from an offensive standpoint. So they, they checked the boxes that you would have thought they needed to uh, to win the game. And, and it could have been worse, right? You know, Squirrel takes a knee there at the end or slides down as opposed to, you know, running it in. And now all of a sudden Baylor's in the 40s and you're thinking of the previous era of the program. But overall, 
resounding resilience uh, after the West Virginia deal. Um, and yeah, now all of a sudden, combined with great effort and increased, uh, I would say, offensive output and, and dedication to running the football, even though you did go with the more, you know, the throwing quarterback to start the year, you know, Baylor's right back where where it wants to be. And the scheduling gods mixed in now give you a path towards, you know, potentially defending your title or having the opportunity to defend that title uh, there in the Big 12. So amazing, uh, fascinating uh, all around. I think the round robin in the Big 12 with that top half, right? TCU, Baylor, Texas, K-State, yeah. Kansas, OSU. That that round robin between that group has has just been fascinating to look at uh, just, just top down. And I think, you know, being in the thick of it right now says a lot about uh, your program and, and Baylor's right in the thick of it, truly. Uh, so they should be included in that conversation, even though at one point, yeah, we thought, Maybe not so much. So I think this is just another feather in the cap for Dave Aranda, which I know I praise all the time every time I come on here. But he keeps kind of proving it, even when things yeah. don't look like they're they're going to bounce back. What's interesting to me, John, is that we came into this season expecting the Big 12 to have a ton of parity, to be that league where the conference champion may have two losses in conference play. And it, it has certainly lived up to that, as you see pretty much everybody – squarely in that two or three spot with two or three losses for for those teams on the top half of the conference and the bottom half of the conference there's parity everywhere in the pac 12 there's a lot less of that you get parity in the back half but you have your utahs your usc's ucla and oregon who have cemented themselves not just in the top half of the pac 12 but even in college football top 15 top 20 teams is that the mark of a great conference or is it what the Big 12 has displayed with even Texas, who's got a lot of great upside, still having a couple of conference losses in there? Yeah, I think it's more about parity um, overall, not necessarily the disparity from top to bottom. Now, if your your top contenders are national title contenders, yeah. it does change the vibe, right? So when you're talking SEC, for instance, yeah, Vanderbilt and Missouri and South Carolina this year, they're not going to come up as much. But, man, Georgia is going to come up at the top, Tennessee, Alabama, LSU now, Ole Miss. You know, and it feels different when you talk about it. But um, beyond the national title footprint, I think parity is a great thing for a conference, especially when it's up in the air. Um, so, you know, TCU is really the only one that has an opportunity to to make it a college football playoff kind of deal. And they probably have to win out based on uh, last week's uh, initial college football playoff ranking. Um, so, so that's its own story, but I do think that the strength of a conference is its overall depth, not just its top end depth, because you can pull, like you just said, out of the Pac-12, pull the top four programs from any conference, and yeah, you're going to feel really good about that group, but what about that middle group, right? What about that, you know, four through eight? I mean, to me, that's the group that has to be at least solid to where you can talk about the strength of your conference. Otherwise, it's just conference power X, like we see in the ACC, like we see, I would say, in the Big Ten, which has been somewhat surprising this year. And as you alluded to, we see it in the Pac-12 as well. Yeah. John, uh, before we get to the John's Thoughts portion of our show today, uh, then hear from Dave Aranda on the back half, there the decommitment and flip of Christian Brathwaite pretty dramatically and recently to LSU. Just a quick little, I'm done at Baylor, I'm going to LSU is something that a lot of Baylor fans were were scared of 
with the lack of success early in the year for Baylor. And I don't know if that was a true factor because LSU up until two weeks ago was, was kind of treading water. So this, this decommitment and flip to LSU on the one half is flattering. Baylor for a long time was not losing recruits to big time programs. On the other half, you now don't get Brathwaite. Uh, What does this do to Baylor's class? Well, Baylor's class is strong and big and balanced, uh, particularly on defense. So I, I think you you still have a group of front seven players that are going to be able to come in and eventually contribute. Now, w- within that group, Braithwaite was one of the best of the bunch, right? A versatile linebacker who you know we've talked about here on this show, who who looks and projects like that modern player who yeah. can truly play three different positions on three different downs, and that's something that other programs began to recognize and and christian himself he said look i started getting a bunch of offers he just didn't post them you know out of respect for aranda and baylor he wasn't posting every offer he was getting including lsu so it really wasn't until he decided to take the visit to baton rouge to where he said let me do some due diligence and look he took the trip sec at night all that stuff blown away and you know he jumped on the hype train that that right now is is lsu at, at its apex so it's understandable to that regard, right? They've got a freshman from Texas at linebacker and Harold Perkins, who is setting the world on fire right now at LSU. Yeah. So selling him in that role, which Christian kind of fits, is something that was going to be hard to turn down. And I don't think it was anything Baylor did or didn't do within the recruitment. Uh, we know that they have continued to double down on their own recruits, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Austin Novosad posted child for that. But even other, you know, lesser known prospects uh, have have had to hold off. Uh, Baylor has had to hold off other schools um, more privately. Um, and I think that speaks to Aranda and the, and the culture of of what they want to recruit in a prospect. Uh, these kids aren't posting all the offers and and pimping out the visits and all that kind of stuff. It's it's much more behind the scenes and private. So even when there is negative news like we saw, it's not this huge long buildup to where every fa- the fan base is asking about it every single week. It's much more business-like behind closed doors, which is something I, I know Aranda staff would appreciate all the same. But in terms of the class, still big, still in the top 25 overall, and you still got a heavy front seven uh, yeah. presence. Uh, and then linebacker-wise, I, you know, I still like the group that's on board. Um, and, and going right into what we talked about in terms of Baylor holding off other schools, Terry and York, another Texan linebacker uh, who's having a huge, huge senior season, uh, comparable, I would say, to Christian's. You know, he says some of those schools are starting to slow down in his recruitment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's he's comfortable with that. Uh, he was just kind of surprised to a degree. But I think, again, that's sort of the respect that Baylor has uh, both on the field and on the trail. Yeah. Well, John, I know it's been a wild I think we say it every year, but this year feels specifically wild in college football, aside from your your Georgia at the top that just doesn't care about anybody or anything. And I want to get your thoughts on not just last weekend's games, but a couple of the big ones coming up this weekend. But first, I'll tell everybody at home about Upside. And, you know, we talk a lot about the big sponsors here at Locked On, and one that has been certainly practical and one that's a t- like a tangible example of how these have bettered my life since I started at Locked On is Upside. Because inflation has hit us all, obviously, and everything's more expensive. I went and got sushi this morning, and my typical sushi order is like eight bucks. It was eleven fifty. Like I don't know why sushi went up three dollars and fifty cents. I think it's because of the crab inside the California roll, which is not really sushi, but you know the crab shortage. Like two billion crabs are missing in the Alaskan. That's not a river. It's like the like the ocean thing, Gulf, whatever. 
Uh, and so I'm paying more inflation of crab meat. But due to upside, I get money back, which I use specifically at restaurants um, and specifically at grocery stores, too, because as a college kid, I eat a lot. And if you get started today, use the Upside app with promo code Locked On and get five or more cash back on your first purchase of $10. It's a free five bucks. Claim an offer, whatever you're buying on Upside. You check in at that business. You pay as usual with your credit or debit card, and you get paid. In comparison to credit card companies, their rewards and loyalty programs you can earn three times more with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars a week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store as well. Download the free Upside app and get cash back on all of your purchases with the code LOCKED. L-O-C-K-E-D. Get $5 or more on your first purchase of $10. That is a free 5 bucks at Upside. John, the fighting Tennessee Volunteers might not be as good as we thought they were, especially compared to the Georgia Bulldogs. And in a 12-team playoff, it just wouldn't have mattered. Both of these teams would still be going to the postseason. And LSU topples Alabama. Notre Dame blows out Clemson. Another wild week in college football. And like you mentioned, Baylor goes on the road. Knock off Oklahoma just the second time in program history they've done that. Uh, What did you learn on the top half of college football from this weekend's games? Ironically, as we talk about the game modernizing, right, we talk about it on the field and recruiting and all those things, we talk about spread offenses, right, throwing the football, pushing it down the field, these these big, freaky, athletic quarterbacks, all the new in in this great sport of football. Wasn't this weekend kind of a reminder of, hey, uh, the line of scrimmage, defense, and and kind of bringing it on that side still matters so much. I mean, Notre Dame beat up Clemson. Georgia beat up Tennessee programs that are used to spreading it out and and winning however they wanted Georgia and Notre Dame kind of enforced their will and we talked about it with Baylor right with with that I guess some would call that an upset Um, same kind of thing defense possessing the football running the football now you're doing it more creatively right jet sweeps and some of the the fun stuff um, but you're still in principle kind of going old school with with how you are on the path towards winning Ohio State had to win with defense last week. Michigan is is there in the top five because of defense. So I think this weekend was kind of a reminder to me of, hey, it all goes back to those foundational principles. LSU's upset of Alabama, same kind of thing. Bryce Young was was under pressure the entire night, and it was just a little bit too much for them uh, to overcome. So I think, you know, that that was a good reminder just in the calendar and the craziness of college football that you can still and probably you, you will probably have to win a couple games this way, even if you're Georgia, even if you're programs that can overwhelm your opponent from a talent perspective, it still sometimes comes back to defense and running the football, which is maybe why TCU is not getting the respect yeah. it deserves. Uh, as I, as I, you know, try to connect these dots out loud, um, Oregon, same kind of deal. Uh, but it's, it's still a very important part of the process. And I think when it comes to the final four that are going to be in there, um, I think they're going to have that that defense toughness, uh, run the football mentality uh, common uh, between them. Yeah, what's interesting to me, the Deuce Vaughns and you know B. John Robinson, Richard Reese has thrown his name in that hat this season. Uh, Brees Hall, guys that are that are pretty recent in Big Twelve, that the running game in this conference has become so much better than it was six, seven years ago, where everybody was just launching it deep to the point where if Oklahoma. Yeah had the defense they have this season seven years ago, they would have been fine. Nobody's running the ball against them anyway. Now they're the worst rushing defense in the Power Five, and that's where Baylor was able to exploit and get the win on Saturday thanks to Squirrel Williams having a big game. 
Uh, but I, I take a look at this weekend, and even in Big 12 play, where the biggest game really in the country is in TCU and Texas as they get college game day. What is it, John, that has made, if you even have an because I, I don't really, that has made TCU such a good football team this season after many, myself included in the Big 12 media, had them picked in the bottom three this league? Yeah, see, that was the other route I was going to go with with my surprises just of this season is the variance of these first year coaches, yeah. right? You've got you've got the high of, of TCU, Oregon, um, LSU, USC, all, all sitting there in the top 10. And then you've got on the other side, Miami's awful. Uh, you know, Florida has not looked the part. You know, some of these other first year coaches, Notre Dame, well, one of the biggest early season disappointments. Uh, so these transitions and the variance there is a story in and of itself. But I think with TCU, it's this right combination of the offense with the personnel that was already in place. It was like you you weren't trying to go in the opposite direction. I think when uh, a lot of these coaching changes happen, we focus on kind of the human element, right? Well, this guy was a defensive coach, so let's bring in the spread guy, right? Or or vice versa. This guy was more of a, of a, a running coach. Let's bring in the guy who's, who's going to focus more on defense or whatever it is, trying to create the antithesis of what you just had. Well, TCU kind of went from strength to strength, right? So bringing in Sonny Dykes, who is known for more of the wide open offenses with some senior and veteran presence coming back, particularly on that side of the ball, led by led by Dugan, uh, it was just kind of the perfect storm um, to where offensively they're going to be able to challenge you uh, vertically uh, and horizontally with a good run game and a quarterback who, who in and of itself uh, could run the ball and, and challenge a defense and, and their discipline. And then defensively, it's like they're doing just enough. They're kind of the old school Big 12 defense where you're like, they're making plays, but it's not as yeah. consistent as you would like. Maybe it's more turnover driven uh, than 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 the conventional, hey, let's just make a stop on third down here and get the ball back. Um, so it's maybe more advantageous, lucky if, if you will. Uh, so you wonder if that can continue from TCU's perspective. But on, on the perceptional side, it's just like, man, they're just going to win every shootout that they get into. Yeah. Um, and it might not matter uh, how good or bad that defense is, but they are somewhat advantageous in turning over the football and making plays in the back end. I think their secondary is, is probably their best group uh, defensively. And, and if you're willing to get into that type of game, they just, it's like seven on seven. They just need that one stop and they're going to yeah. feel pretty good uh, about coming out with the victory. But Texas will be, of course, a huge challenge for TCU. It's as balanced an offense as you're going to get in college football with, as you mentioned, with with maybe the best running back in the country and in Bijan Robinson. So obviously a huge, huge game for the for the Big 12. And obviously nationally, when you're talking about college game day and and the hype that TCU has built, now you've got to uh instead of being the darling, now you've got to, you know, prove it. You got to keep going with it. And and that's what this year, this time of year is all about. Baylor's defense is founded on fundamental chaos. Jackers and robbers, as Dave Aranda says it. DCU's is just chaos. Fundamentals, ah, sometimes. <laughs> Mostly chaos, though. Uh, John, before we get you out of here, Baylor and Kansas State this weekend, if Baylor wins, they are now just one win. If they beat Kansas State and beat Texas, they're in the Big 12 championship without a doubt. So if they knock off this K-State team, there's a lot on the line for both of these squads. What have you seen this year out of Kansas State? Because they seem a little bipolar, and sometimes their injuries have benefited them, and other times they just, you know, on the, the cutting room floor with some of these guys. Yeah, like Adrian Martinez, if not for Bo Nix, would be like the unanimous comeback player of the year, yeah. rebuild his career image kind of guy. But yeah, after the injury, you don't know, right? Because Walker Howard came in and, and just, or Will Howard, and just lit it up, just lit it up from a passing yeah. perspective, which is not necessarily 
Martinez's game. So how do you deal with that uh, as a coaching staff? I think that'll be fascinating from K-State's perspective. Obviously, Deuce Vaughn is a stud. K-State's always going to bring kind of like Baylor, right? A fundamental defense that you can't beat singularly, right? You're going to have to mix it up. You're going to have to keep them honest in order to do so. But I'm, I'm thinking going into this matchup, I'm looking at it just like most, I would imagine, Baylor's defense against that K-State offense. And again, if, if you're both fundamentally old school, if you will, you know, something's got to give there. So I think that's going to be a fun, uh, exciting game. And I think the quarterback could have everything to do with it because one presents a more narrow game plan versus the other. So it's just a matter of how, how much do you want to put on Dave Aranda? If you make it simple for him, typically, you know, you have to pay for that in the end. So I would be curious to see how K-State handles it. Be a big one. Night game in Waco this weekend. First conference night game in a long time for Baylor. John, thanks for joining the show. As always, up next is Dave Aranda. But first, John, where can they find your work if the folks listening at home want to see it? Of course, right here in Locked On. Uh, catch us on Twitter as well, John Garcia underscore JR, and at Sports Illustrated at si.com slash college. John, pleasure as always. Likewise, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. And for those listening, coming up next is Dave Aranda. But first, everybody has heard about Bet Online. It is where the game starts. Uh, with college basketball back up and ready to, Bet Online is like the A1 place that I've gone to place my bets. I use shot quality. If you've ever seen shot quality, Simon Gersberg does a great job there. You go to betonline.net, and it is where you can find all your wagering needs. There's podcasts, there's news, there's just about everything you could. I mean, like, look, look, it's like sports threw up on a page. So I use my mobile device. I go to bet online. I find everything that I want right there, and I can do a little wagering legally, by the way. Some Monopoly money thrown out there uh, and, and make my make my way. Uh, Baylor basketball covered 44 points on Monday, which was really helpful, and they hit the over of 144, which was also helpful as well. So bet online is a great place to put your sports knowledge to the test. Go visit it today. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, Dave Aranda, what are your thoughts on the Oklahoma win and Kansas State coming up this Saturday? It's good to see you guys. You know, excited for this week. It's good to be home. Uh, a lot of good things on the tape, but you know, I think specifically um, defensively is fair amount to improve on. So looking forward to doing that. Um, you know, always impressed with Coach Kleiman and Kansas State. I think they they play a uh, a game that. Um, I really respect, I know our staff does, you know, tough, physical, um, defensively, their effort is outstanding. I think offensively, you know, it's a smart attack. They look for matchups in the passing game and in the running game, they look for angles and uh, numbers. And so what a uh, challenge we have in front of us and, um, you know, we've fully recognized where we're at and kind of what's at stake and so excited to attack all of it. Take any questions you guys got. Dave, uh, you mentioned K-State and, and, you know, how impressed you are with them. I mean, when you look at the film, what really stands out the most? Physicality, effort, toughness. Um, and those are all things, as a coach, you want to be associated with. And so they're doing that now, you know. And then I think... At critical moments and critical times, they're getting big plays by their people. And, you know, they're doing a great job, I think, offensively impressed with their attack and just how they set people up and uh, take advantage of angles and numbers. And 
in the throw game, you know, they they make the most with everything they got. And so uh, a lot of times you know what's coming and they'll dress it up. And so there's a, there's just a bit enough sleight of hand to where they're taking advantage of you with, uh, you know, the speed and athleticism that they got. So it's impressive to see they're playing well right now. Adrian Martinez has played in a lot of college football games. What does that do for a team when they have that much experience under center? Uh, no, I appreciate that. I think they, I think he, he feels empowered, you know. I think um, when, when you see him open up, he has really, really good long speed. And so it's, it's impressive to watch. And so we're going to do everything we can to not allow him to open up. And, you know, I think his, he's got good arm strength. I think his anticipation and his ability to throw guys open has improved as the season's gone on. And so I think you know, him just coming back for this one, this last one was, was real positive results, a lot of good things on tape. And so he's definitely a threat uh, and someone we totally see. Dave. Coach, this past week uh, was one of the few weeks that Richard wasn't the leading ball carrier, obviously dealing with those flu-like symptoms. But mm -hmm. how good did Field kind of have a committee? You talked about that a little bit last week, kind of a running back by committee uh, in that backfield. I appreciate that. I think, you know, um, it's been a work in progress. And I think there's still a lot of a lot of area or areas to improve uh, specifically in that running back room. But you look from where we started to where we are now, a lot of improvement. And you give the credit to everyone in that room. You know, I think Juice is included in that too. But you look at just Squirrel and his commitment and being down and getting back up countless numbers of times. You look at Richard and taking on the all, all the load and the um, uh, managing that load, you know. And you look at Quaylen and just his maturity and growth I mean, you see all the emotion kind of coming out of him. And so it's a dude just kind of becoming right in front of you. And so just way cool. And we're going to need all of that more for what we're about what we're about to try to do, you know. So impressed with that room. Dave, to build on Parker's question, uh, has your running game reached a level where, whether it's Quaylen, whether it's Squirrel, whether it's Richard back there, you feel like you can be productive? I think we're still working to get to that. That would be ideal. I appreciate that question. You know, I think the the opportunity to to be that I think is really kind of that's where you want to be. And I think to bring it back, I think that's where K State is at times. You know, I know they've got a real special running back, but some of those creases, those gaps, you know, and the angles that they create, um, you could have. Um, you have a couple people back there running it, and so way impressed with them. And I think that's what you'd like to get to, is you'd like to get to where, you know, the plan, the math is all worked out. The guys up front are owning the guys that they're against. And you can have uh, someone take a five-yard gain into a 15-yard gain or a 15-yard gain to a 50-yard gain. And so we're, we're hoping to get there. I feel like K-State's there. Dave, how much do you feel like the flu impacted the team last week, and how much do you think that can linger here into this week? Um, appreciate that. I thought that, you know, we had guys that were battling through that, and it kind of it started off in a trickle, as it all these things kind of normally do, and towards the end of the week it, it kind of became a thing. Uh, a lot of those guys are back. A lot of times that's a, a day or two 
thing. And so as we stand right now, I think we're in good in good standing. But we probably were this time last week too, you know, so we've got to continue to to um to keep things clean, wash our hands and just do all the stuff that we know we're supposed to be doing and probably need to do better. Dave, what is it about this defense right now? And is it maybe the loss of guys like JT and Jalen and Terrell from last year that they've just been struggling, allowing a lot of points? And where do you improve from here? I think the, the uh, I appreciate the question, the consistent approach throughout the week. I think it's being fierce with reality and not thinking that, sh- that we or, or, or me or he or someone that they're not. Uh, so that's number one. And then number two is um, recognizing that life is hard and that things aren't given to you and that you have to work for things and sacrifice. And I think, um, you know, I think all of those are kind of life lessons uh, that, uh, you know, particularly on that side of it, we're still learning. And I think for us as coaches to, to, to try to model that and not weaponize that and use that as a teaching tool you know, always difficult when you're collecting and counting the wins and losses. But I think that's really, that's really what it is, is that. Because, you know, it starts on, starts today. It starts on Monday. That was Dave Aranda with the thoughts on the Kansas State game and a little bit on the Oklahoma win as well. And Baylor, Kansas State, we'll be covering it tomorrow. Tomorrow show will be a big one with Scotty Swingle, the pigskin preacher, as we talk the, the biggest matchup, certainly, to this point for Baylor this year and how the Bears can defend the home turf at night because if they don't, their shot at a Big 12 championship is pretty dismal. So it is not win or go home exactly, but it's pretty darn close to it. If you, if you get a shot, come on Saturday. Go to the game on Saturday. Be there. It is going to be a great atmosphere if Baylor fans choose to make it one, and they've got to for a night game against K-State. As for us at Locked On Baylor, by us, I mean myself, this has been, always will be. Come back tomorrow for a little more recap of Baylor, Kansas State, or preview of Baylor, Kansas State. Locked On Baylor.